From the Financial Times in London, I'm Andrew England and this is FT News. Cyril Ramaphosa was elected leader of South Africa's ruling African National Congress this week, threatening President Jacob Zuma's grip on power after the most divisive vote in the party's history. The former union leader had campaigned on a promise to root out corruption and rescue the ANC, the party that led the struggle against apartheid under Nelson Mandela, but which is now at risk of losing its majority for the first time at the 2019 elections. Mr Ramaphosa narrowly defeated Nkosasana Delamini Zuma, Mr Zuma's former wife, whom the president had backed. With me in the studio to discuss what the change of leadership means to South Africa is the FT's Africa editor, David Pilling. David, thank you for joining us. First of all, what kind of a man is Mr Ramaphosa? What is his background and is he really capable of reversing the decline of the ANC? Well, Ramaphosa came to fame really in the 1980s as a union leader, He led many strikes of mine workers, in particular against the then apartheid regime. He's a trained lawyer, and he then rose to become one of the lead negotiators in the talks that finally ended apartheid. And he was seen as a formidable negotiator. He was also very much liked by Nelson Mandela. Mandela, it's widely thought, wanted Cyril Ramaphosa to succeed him. The ANC didn't went for Tabo and Becky instead. And in 1997, Cyril Ramaphosa stepped aside and moved into business, where he became an exceptionally successful, or at least an exceptionally prosperous businessman. And people thought, in a sense, that his political career was over. However, he came back to politics. He became Jacob Zuma's deputy, and therefore deputy president of South Africa, a position he's held for the last three years. He's been very quiet during that time and people again began to think that maybe he didn't have what it took to actually challenge the top man and to take the job. He's now proved them wrong, but I think there are still many questions hanging over how successful he can be. Well, I guess the next test is clearly whether he can deliver within the ANC and sort of control the structures that have been in Mr Zuma's grip. And we've seen from the election of what they call the ANC's top six that three of Mr Zuma's allies, including Ace Magashule, the provincial leader of Free State, and David Mabuza, the leader of Mpumalanga province, who was seen as part of a Premier League that has always backed Mr Zuma, and now one is uh, his deputy in the ANC and the other is the Secretary-General of the ANC, which is a very powerful position. So he is going to face, isn't he, more challenges to actually push through the kind of policies he wants because he's campaigned on this anti-corruption, business-friendly ticket, and certainly those individuals will be seen to be in the opposing camp of the ANC. Well, I think the first thing that we should remember is that Cyril Ramaphosa is now president of the ANC. He is not president of South Africa. Jacob Zuma, formally at least, will stay on as president of South Africa until elections in 2019 that Cyril Ramaphosa will lead. And if the ANC wins, Cyril Ramaphosa would then become president. But we have this rather awkward gap of more than a year in which Ramaphosa won't be the boss unless he is able to force Jacob Zuma out of office. And there is precedent for this because uh, Jacob Zuma himself, when he became head of the ANC, forced out the then president, Thabo Mbeki, and became president himself. So there is a precedent for this, but this again will test the mettle of Cyril Ramaphosa. Is he the feisty union leader who led strikes? Is he the skillful negotiator who ran rings around the National Party? Or is he the man who sat quietly 
while Jacob Zuma ransacked the reputation of the ANC to such an extent that people thought that Cyril really didn't have what it took. So in a sense, it's, you know, will the real Cyril Ramaphosa stand up? He's half stood up because he won the election in what was a very divisive and fractious election, as you say. But he's only half won that battle, and the rest of the battle really remains to be fought. You mentioned, David, that Mr Ramaphosa, after 97, built up a business. A lot of people would say that actually he was just a beneficiary of black economic empowerment and used his influential links to the ANC to sit on boards, to get investments in, in companies, mining companies, got the McDonald's franchise, etc., is that a negative? Does that taint his image? Or does it show that he does have a sound business background which could be useful as leader of the ANC? I think it's neutral. I think to say he's a skilled businessman is a leap too far because he's probably never really created a business of his own. He certainly has benefited from black economic empowerment, which was an attempt to spread wealth and create a black middle class that could then employ other black South Africans. I think that that has only really gone so far and has created this very kind of thin coterie of beneficiaries, of which Ramaphosa is certainly one. He seemed to be a little bit distant. He likes fly fishing, fast cars, vintage wine. But my guess is that the majority of South Africans won't hold this against him as long as he can prove that he's on their side. There was this moment when he was a non-executive board director of Lomin in 2012. Lomin, a UK platinum producer, and 34 miners were shot and killed who were striking. And Ramaphosa was blamed, really, for taking the management side. Again, that sort of receded into the background. It's not particularly being held against him yet, but it would be, I think if he was seen to be a capitalist who was not on the side of workers, if he was to undertake difficult reforms, lowering wages, reforms that might be seen to be aimed at boosting productivity, attacking union power, for example, all of those, and you could argue that some of those might be necessary, but all of those, I think, might be difficult for him to do without dredging up this past. So at the moment, he's got a free pass. But I think under certain circumstances, some of that past could come back to haunt him a bit. And of course, the big thing we're waiting for now is the election of the National Executive Committee of the ANC, its highest ranking decision making body. In the last year, the NEC has twice thwarted attempts from within the party to remove Mr Zuma. Is there any indication we're seeing from this Congress that the ANC is likely to remove Mr Zuma? I mean, this is a question on a lot of people's minds. You know, after you've had the leadership challenge, will Zuma see out his term, which ends in 2019 as president of the state? Well, I think there are two opposing forces in a sense. One is that it's hard to see how Ramaphosa really carries out his functions as head of the ANC with Jacob Zuma, a man who is criticised virulently during the campaign. How can they live together? On the other side, I think what we have is really two ANCs. You could see them really as two distinct parties with two distinct visions. You've got the constitutionalist technocratic wing, which Ramaphosa really heads, which wants technocratic solutions to South Africa's problems, which wants to appoint people on merit, which wants to run a fairly prudent fiscal policy, 
to encourage foreign investment, to project the image of stability. And then you have a whole other faction of the party that has rallied around Jacob Zuma. This has a radical rhetoric attacking white monopoly capital, talking about radical economic transformation. But some people really see that as cover for turning the ANC into a crony capitalist party that does deals with outside influences, including people allegedly like the Gupta family that has hollowed out the state institutions and that has really become a machine to feather the nests of senior ANC people and not to produce the sort of policies that would transform the lives of the black majority of South Africans, which is what they're claiming to do. So you have these two factions of the party and the election was not an overwhelming victory for Ramaphosa at all. The party, in a sense, was split right down the middle. And that's the party that Ramaphosa inherits. And it's not an easy thing to inherit at all. So we've seen that there's been some optimism in the markets. The RAND rallied yesterday. Bonds are rallying today. Are you saying that optimism's misplaced? I think it's possibly slightly overdone. What I think about South Africa is that it has hugely intractable problems. I mean, Ramaphosa is really faced with two big tasks to oversimplify. One is to clean up the ANC and the other is to get the South African economy going again. And even more than getting the South African economy going again, it's really to deal with the legacy of apartheid. And in 23 years, the ANC has only really gone partway towards dealing with that. Sure, it's brought social provisions to the townships. Sure, it's created something of a black middle class. Sure, it's increased taxes and redistribution and 17 million people, nearly all of them, black South Africans, have some sort of government grant. But what it has really failed to do is to close the opportunity gap and the wealth gap in any structural way. It's failed to transform the education system. It's failed to transform the job market. And it's failed to transform a sense that black South Africans, if they work hard, can have a white South African style life. Because at the moment, almost all of them, it's a million miles away. And that gap is huge. It's festering. And it could lead, if not tackled, to some kind of social explosion. You mentioned earlier on the ANC's support has been ebbing because of the corruption scandals, because of the stagnant economy. Does this ANC election impact on the ANC's chances of retaining power or at least retaining its majority in 2019? Yes, I think it does. I think Ramaphosa is a better candidate than Nkosuzana Dlamini-Zuma. If she had been elected president of the ANC, it is possible that the ANC would have split. And even if it didn't split, I think many in South Africa would have seen this as a vote for kind of Zuma as usual. And some would have drifted away to other parties on the right and the left. Now I think there'll be an atmosphere of why don't we give Cyril a chance? Why don't we see if he can get us back to the ANC of old? Which while, as I said before, didn't solve everybody's problems or really tackle in a fundamental way some of these structural problems that are inherited from apartheid, at least there was a sense that it was moving in the right direction and that the lives of the majority of people in South Africa were slowly improving. I think Cyril can at least put up the image that he represents a return to that kind of ANC 
And my guess is that the electorate will give the ANC one more chance. What now happens to Mr Zuma? I mean, we've mentioned the possibility of him being forced to resign. He's got corruption charges hanging over him dating back to a 1990s arms deal. Is he going to quietly stay on as state president and not interfere? Or is he going to be looking to protect his interests? How much resistance will there be to Mr Ramaphosa? And you know, where does Zuma go from here? My guess is that Zuma wants to cut a deal. As you say, he has all these counts of corruption and racketeering hanging over him. He has a state capture report, which is going to be turned into something more formal by Parliament and where more allegations about Mr Zuma and his entourage's links with outside business people, including the Gupta family, may be aired. It could be an uncomfortable year for Mr Zuma. He'll want to stay on as state president if he thinks that offers him protection. However, if he can get a deal, a deal, I suppose, not to be prosecuted, to be left alone, then he may well go for that deal. But really only Mr Zuma knows what he intends. Thank you very much for joining us, David. I guess the next thing to watch out for is the results of the National Executive Committee election. And we're next for Mr Ramaphosa and Mr Zuma. And thank you to our producer, Fiona Simon. Here at Bell & Cat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellandcat.com.